And you can find the sermon notes for today's sermon. All the scriptures and notes are already there for you. And you can take notes and have them emailed to you. Um, but you are in a treat for in for a treat with today's message. We have um, Pastor Josh Holman from Next Level Relational Network, from Next Level Church, actually, from Florida. He's going to be ministering with us today. Uh, this guy, I get kind of walked him around the, uh, the, the church with us, um, with us early, earlier before church started. And he had, uh, thank you, he had, um, uh, he saw our, our coat hooks. And he looked at him and he said, what is this thing? And I was like, sure, the guy from Florida doesn't know what a coat hook looks like. Yeah, he's in, he doesn't need them. Uh, a lot of you, about, about 100 people, maybe a little more, have gone through our freedom groups here in, in this church, and uh, that all started. We, our church got started doing freedom groups um, because me and my wife went through freedom groups, and me and my wife went through freedom groups because some, some guy had the guts from Next Level Church to look at me and say, Adam, you need to go through freedom groups. This is that guy. So if, you, if you've experienced freedom groups... We have him to thank for it. Let's put our hands together and welcome Pastor Josh Holman as he brings the message. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Come on. I love when we talk back a little bit. Come on. Good morning. How are you doing today? It's uh, This morning, I woke up uh, at 6 o'clock this morning. My mom lives in Napanee, literally an hour straight across and uh, I woke up this morning, and as Adam said, I am from uh, Southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, come from Next Level Church, and uh, I woke up this morning and got ready, and I got into the car, and it was 37 degrees. <laughs> I'm so glad that God has called you here, Pastor Ralph and Anita, Pastor Adam and Lena, um, and I really am honored. I want to honor your pastors, um, man. I, I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, grew up a part of Calvary Ministries International, and uh, Pastor Ralph and Anita, you guys are heroes in the faith. You really, really are, and uh, we just want to honor you. I'm serious. Uh, you have no, no idea how many times when I'm talking to people across the country uh, about faithfulness and about serving the Lord, I actually speak your name. And I'm so thankful for you. Pastor Adam, uh, you are a brother to me. I grew up, uh, we grew up going to church camp together. Uh, there's a church camp called Oak Hill. It's not there anymore, but a long time ago now. It feels like, feels like yesterday, but now it's getting to be a long time ago. Uh, that's how it works, right? And uh, I'm just so thankful for you and your wife and just our friendship and, uh, and just the incredible way that you have honored your mother and father. Um, and the way that God is honoring you and blessing you because of that in your family. And, uh, and then let me say this, New Hope. Uh, I was here, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, and it was an incredible time. It was an amazing time to be here. But being here this morning, God is here. You're a part of a thriving church. You're a part of a church where the move of God is happening. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, don't let up. Don't let up on leaning in personally. That doesn't just happen here on Sunday morning. That, does, that happens because you're leaning in on your time with the Lord, and you're leaning in groups, and you're getting into freedom groups, and, and, uh, and you're listening uh, to the messages that your pastors are preaching and putting them to practice, not just being hearers of the words, but doers of the words, amen? And, uh, and so thankful for that. I, I want to, uh, just real quick, I come from Next Level Church, and uh, Pastor Matt and Sarah Keller uh, are my pastors. I've been pastoring with them for, uh, been following them for 25 years since we moved from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Auburn area, uh, all the way down to Southwest Florida to plant Next Level Church. Our church will celebrate 22 years uh, this year coming up, and, uh, and we're just so thankful uh, for the move of God uh, that we've been a part of, and, 
and being brothers and sisters in faith where we can lock arms all the way uh, 1,500 miles away. Honestly, when we come and we're together, it, it feels like family. And so I'm just so thankful to be with you today. Uh, as Adam said, my name is Pastor Josh Homan, and uh, my wife and I actually think I have a picture uh, to share with you guys today. This is my family right here. Yes, it's my wife, Irina. And uh, yes, she is like 15 years younger than me. Uh, uh, she's not actually, but she looks like it. And uh, we've been, we just celebrated 16 years of marriage uh, just a couple weeks ago uh, on a cruise, and it was awesome. And now we have four children. Uh, Gracie is our oldest. She is, uh, she's going to be 13 here soon, which is crazy. Pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> I-, I told somebody we were texting yesterday, and, which is weird that I'm texting with my daughter, and she was, she was using words that I don't even understand, okay, like, like riz and drip and all kinds of other stuff. Maybe some of you know what that means. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then my son, Oliver, uh, I wish I had a picture that wasn't like this of Oliver, but we do not have a picture of him smiling at all. These are the only pictures that we have is, is these pictures, and we all have a child like that, right? I, I have to admit, I was that child growing up. And then our daughter, Adelina, and uh, Adelina's laugh will light up a room. Uh, man, it will light up the room. And then uh, Joshua is our youngest. He'll be five, and uh, he is the life of the party. And uh, we are blessed. We truly are blessed, honestly, uh, by each other, but honestly, to be uh, a part of a family of God, uh, part of the family of God. Amen. And, and I just want to, just for a minute before I pray and get into the message, I want to encourage you. Uh, we have only been a part of two churches in our entire lives. Uh, my wife, the church she grew up in, then the church I grew up in, and then Next Level Church. Been a part of Next Level Church for 22 years. Been on staff for 15 years. And uh, I really truly believe this, that God calls us, not just staff members, not just pastors, but, but believers to a body of Christ, to a local body of Christ. And, uh, and I, I just believe in this. I was actually talking to my grandmother about this yesterday, uh, that I just believe that, that nothing great can happen in our world unless we're in one place for long enough for it to happen. Amen. And I want to encourage you, be faithful. Be faithful to this local body. Be faithful to this church. Listen, every church, no church is perfect. But listen, when God calls you to be somewhere, he'll bless you when you're faithful to that place. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you in that way. And, uh, and I just want to pray. I want to pray for you today. I was praying in the front row that God would just continue to bless your church uh, in a powerful way. It is amazing to see a, a room full. And uh, I'm so thankful for the series that you guys have been in of messages, speaking about finances and what the Word of God says about that. And I hope today uh, that I don't mess up anything that Pastor Ralph has been teaching you guys. <laughs> Come on, let's pray together. Lord, Lord, right now, we just thank you. We thank you. We honor you, God. We give you all the praise and the glory, even before we come and we present your word, God. We do not take this lightly. God, we just believe that when we honor you, God, that it is because what we do right now, God, as we open your word is not common. It is not ordinary, God, that your word changes us. And so, Lord, right now, I just pray that I would get out of the way and that you would get in the way. Lord, we we pray across this room that if there's anything that we need to set down and we need to surrender to you, God, we give you everything and everybody right now. We consecrate our hearts. We we make space for you in our hearts right now, in Jesus' name, for you to move in a powerful way. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was thinking uh, about this question as I was preparing for this message, and this question kept coming up in my spirit, and I wanted to ask you the question as we started this morning, and the question is this, have you ever made choices that have led you to a place that was not good? Come on this morning. Come on. Maybe even those choices you thought when you started to make those choices, this was the right choice, and it's going to lead to a good place, but you got to the place, and it wasn't as good as you thought it was going to be, right? 
Now, I remember my first car. Come on, you remember your first car. I, I made some choices leading up to that first car. My mom and dad, as I, as I approached 16 years old, they said, listen, we're going to give you $500 towards your first car. Now, I heard $500 towards my first car. Now, you might be thinking, that's a great start, right? Now, I heard I can put $500 and I can buy a car, okay? Now, 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 even back when I was a kid, that wasn't enough money to buy a good car, but I found a car, and it was the first car I had was a 1982 Mustang hatchback. Yeah, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. This is a good car, right? Now, you might be thinking, wow, impressive. You found a, you found a, you know, a nice car for $500. No, it was not nice, all right? This was another maybe bad choice that led to a bad situation. And, and, and the car that I bought, it actually, the hood was all bent up. It had already been in an accident, right? The, the windshield had a crack across it, right? And then there was, here's, here's the best part. It had a moonroof. It had a, it had a, you know, opened up at the top, but the problem was it had broken. And the person before me, they made a bad choice too. And they took some plexiglass and they cut it to fit in there. And they took some caulking and they caulked around it. And here's the problem is that it didn't work. And so every time it rained, it rained inside my car. I actually had an umbrella that I would drive around in with this car. And my friends, they didn't call it the Mustang. They called it the Mustang because of the water that got in there, right? Now, now this was... This was, uh, I, my birthday's in April, and, and I love my birthday. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And uh, if you're like, I don't like those people that are like, you know, like, my birthday's the whole month. I'm one of those people, okay? Uh, but so my birthday's in April. I get my car, I get my license, and I'm going up to camp to work for the summer. And I'm going to drive my car up to camp. I'm going to drive up from Fort Wayne, South Fort Wayne, where I grew up. And we're going to drive up 69, and we're going to go up to Angola to, to Camp Oak Hill. But I wanted to listen to what I wanted to listen to on the radio. So I made another choice, a bad choice now that I understand, is that I decided that I want to put a tape player in my car. I wasn't going to go to a professional. I was going to do it myself. I could figure it out. Now, this was before YouTube, people, all right? Okay, YouTube now, you can look up anything. You can figure out anything. So I, I asked a couple of friends, you know, I kind of figured it out. I got that tape player in the car, and I started down the highway. And I put in my DC Talk tape. Come on, somebody. And I was listening to Jesus Freak, and here's what happened. My bad choices led to a bad situation. I was driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, my radio caught on fire. I'm literally driving down 69, and I'm kicking my radio trying to put the fire out in my car on my radio. I made bad choices after bad choices that led me to a bad situation. Have you ever been there? Come on. I think you can relate with me this morning. And, and here's what I think. I think the same thing is true sometimes when we think about the situation that we are in with our finances. That, that we make choices, and, and maybe some of those choices, we, we even know they're a bad choice. But maybe they're not. Maybe, maybe it's just because of the way we grew up, or, or what we were taught, or a lack of what we were taught. We made choice after choice because we have to, right? And then all of a sudden, we wake up one day, and those bad choices lead us to a place where we're in a bad situation. And here's what I love about the Word of God, is that the Word of God has a lot to say about pretty much everything in our lives. And, 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 and here's the thing. We have a choice, though. I, I, I think you see a theme here. Is that we have a choice to decide, are we going to listen to the word of God and apply it to our lives, or are we not? And so today, I, I want to implore you, because today I want to talk to you about one of the most important choices that we can make 
when it comes to our finances, where the Bible says it. And, and, and here, before we get to that place, here's the thing. When I say that there's choices that God wants you to make with your money, one of two things happen. Come on, I wanna, let's be real together in church. One of two things happen. We start to think, oh, God wants to control me. He, he wants to control what I do with my money, or he wants to, he wants to tell me what to do, or, or here's another pastor up in the church. Don't worry, the, the doors are not locked in the back, okay? Come on. That's asking for money, right? Here's what I want you to see. It's not about money. It's more about our heart. It's more about what God, how he wants to be a part of our lives. You see, Irene and I, we grew up in very different ways. I grew up, and I told you, in South Fort Wayne, Indiana, and, and uh, in a very poor area. My mom was a single mom until I was about 12 years old, until she met my stepfather. We lived in a very, uh, very poor area. And so to even talk about finances wasn't normal for us growing up. Come on, maybe you have that same experience. And so when I got married to, and started to read God's word and started to make choices of my own to apply his word to my life, this idea of putting God first in my finances, this choice that I had to make was hard. My wife, she actually was born in Ukraine. And she moved to the States when she was about six years old with her mom and her dad and her, her five brothers and sisters. And, and it's an amazing story about what God did because a church in Buffalo, New York, sponsored them to come. But as her father tells me is that they... They scraped and they scraped, and the government wouldn't let them leave with but $40 in their pocket. It took three months to get from Ukraine to Buffalo, New York. With $40 and five kids, they slept in tents and cars. They slept with people in people's houses that they didn't even know. And they got to Buffalo, New York, and my father-in-law, he got a job at the Sony plant making compact discs. Now, if you're young, you have no idea what that is. We used to play music on those. He didn't speak English at all. It's where he learned to speak English, honestly, in that factory. So many of you work in factories or your grandparents or parents did. And, and it was a hard place for him. But he carried around the word of God. And he lived by the principles. And so when my wife and I got married, she lived by those principles. And so we had a choice. You and I have a choice. And I believe it's one of the biggest choices we have in our lives. You know, I think about the idea of a deathbed. You know, when you're on your deathbed, you, you want people to know the most important things. And there's a story in Scripture in Deuteronomy 30 where, where Moses was on his deathbed. I'd love for you to turn there if you could in Deuteronomy 30. Moses is on his deathbed, and he, he wants to make sure that what he leaves the Israelites with is the most important thing that he can leave them with. They're about to go into the promised land. Joshua is about to take over as the leader. And Moses pulls together the people and he says, I want to tell you about the most important thing. And it starts in verse 15. It says this, see, I set before you today, life and prosperity, death and destruction. He's saying, listen, there's, there's choices that I'm putting in front of you for. I command you today to love the Lord, your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands and decrees and laws. Then this is a promise. Then you will live and increase the Lord your God will bless you and the land that you're entering to possess. But if your hearts, if your hearts turn away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away and you bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land and you are, that you're crossing over the Jordan to enter and to possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses 
against you. He's being very clear right here. That's what happens when you're on your deathbed. I want you to know clearly what, what is before you, the choice before you. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I will set before you life, death, blessing, and curse. And then Moses says this. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. See, Moses was saying you have a choice. You know, I, I, I think in, in our time and age today that sometimes when we hear people being clear, we think that they're being unkind. But here's what I've learned as I've gotten older is that when I'm clear, I'm actually being very kind and very respectful. I care about you enough to, to be clear about what's in front of you. That's what Moses was doing. He said, listen, all of heaven and earth be my witness that I'm being clear with you on this day. And so Moses says it is so important that you put God first, that you make a choice to put him first. <laughs> and so, so the question is, what did, what did God command them concerning the money? In Malachi chapter 3, I'd love to take you there today. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, it says this, The Lord, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees, and you have not kept them. And then the Lord says this, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how do I return? This is so interesting. In other words, he was saying, what evidence do you need for, for the, for, in the outward way? What can I produce on the, in the outward, in the, on, on, in an action that would communicate on the inward way that I've turned back to you? And then it says this in verse 8. Will you mere mortals rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, Lord, how in the world have we been robbing you and your tithe and your offering? And then it says this, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. But then he gives them another choice, another option, another way to come to the Lord. It says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that you may have food in my house. Now, I want you to see this before I get to the points. And, and when we get to the points, it's, it's, we're going to talk through some things that, that I believe that God wants us to know about what he's teaching us. But here's the thing that I want you to see. Moses is saying that we have a choice. We have a choice to follow God and to give our hearts to him. We have a choice to not follow him. And then we're seeing in scripture that the Israelites, they, they did this. They went back and forth, back and forth. And, and before you start to go, yeah, they did that, we do the same thing. We go back and forth and, and we are desperate for God because we're in need. And then we get close to him and then we start to think we can do it on our own. And then the, here's what the scripture says in Malachi. It says, listen, if you would show me with your actions of tithes and offering, that I have your heart, not your money, not your bank account, but your heart. Then I'll know and I will bless you because what is at stake is a blessing or a curse. I want to be clear with you today. I don't want to come all the way from Florida and mince words. I want you to know that what is at stake is a blessing. A blessing from God Almighty, the creator of earth, the one who produces increase in your life, is saying, I have a blessing for you. But most of the time, we just hear about the curse. And so here's a couple of things that I want us to learn today when it comes to this scripture and this choice that we have today. 
When it comes to our money, the real issue is about control. The real issue is about control. We want to be in control of what we do with our money, don't we? And, and, and can I be honest with you? I understand this. I work hard a whole week long, and I, and I, and I, I do everything I do to, to produce a paycheck, and I want to control what that looks like. You know, the big Bible word for control is lordship. Is lordship. And you know, when we say yes to Jesus and we pray the sinner's prayer, we don't just say, Lord, I want you to be the savior of my life, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. And, and here's what I think that we've missed in the last maybe 20, 30 years in the church is that we've gotten really, really good about the idea that Jesus has saved us. And I believe that when we get saved, everything changes. We go to heaven. We have a, a destination in heaven and eternity that changes everything in our lives. But if we're not careful, we miss out on the blessing between now and the time that we will go to eternity. And that blessing comes from the way that we give control, lordship to God. And one of the best ways that we do that is through our finances. Now, here's what I want you to see. God could have picked anything else, right? He's God. He could have said to the Israelites, you know what? If you would just go to church more often, it would prove to me that you have, that I have your heart. He could have said, Jason, if you stop drinking and smoking and chewing and going with girls that do, come on, somebody, that's an old joke. (laughs) Then I'll know that you, I have your heart, right? He doesn't do that. He said, if you'll give the first 10% that comes into your house to the local storehouse, then I will know, then I will know that you have my heart. You see, it's about control. It's about lordship and the choice that is before us is are we willing to give him control of our lives? The second point is this, is that a break in fellowship brought a curse on them, their children and their land, not just themselves, but their children and their land. We hear stories about generational curses. This is where they come from, is that that when we don't give God control of our lives, he doesn't bring the blessing that he promises. You know, I think about this. I, I have a friend of mine that, that actually recently their, their son stole some money from them, from their parent. And, and here's what I wonder. I, I was talking to him about it, and I said, I wonder, how hard is it for you to trust them now? How hard is it for you to be willing to be generous to them and, and to give for them and to provide for them? And he looked at me, and he said, you know what? It was really hard until they came, and they apologized. Until they came in, and they said, this is why I did it, and I'm so sorry, Dad. They gave me a hug, and they've showed me that they... They won't do it again, that they trust, I trust them again. And this is what God is saying. Listen, I want to give you a blessing. I want to, to restore something inside of you. But some of us, we actually need to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. There's been a distance in our relationship with him, and it's not because we're going out doing things that we shouldn't do. It's because we actually haven't put him first in our finances. Man, there's something powerful that is unlocked When we say, God, I give you even control over my finances. Because isn't it true? The Bible actually says that where my heart is, where my money is, my heart will follow. Like, like think about it. If you were to go on your bank statement and you looked at all the places that you spent money, you would know what you enjoy the most, right? You know, for me, it would be coffee. I drink a lot of coffee, right? For me, it would be donuts. Don't tell my wife, right? It's, It's important, yeah. Where is, your, where is your money showing you that your heart is? It's so important. The third thing is this, is God attaches a promise 
to the tithe. Whew, come on, take a deep breath. We're done talking about the curse. Let's talk about the promise. God attaches a promise to the tithe. He attaches a promise. See, in Malachi 3 and verse 10, it says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And then it says this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to store it. Now, now this is, there's, there's another part of the verse. We didn't have it up on the screen, but it actually talks about a protection. And when I read this story and when I read this scripture, I get more excited about the protection than even the blessing. Man, I don't know about you, but I, don't want, I, I want my kids to have what they need. But more than that, I want them to be protected. I want them to be safe. I want them to have health in their lives. There's a blessing connected to the tithe. And when we honor God with our finances, he brings a, a blessing. And he fulfills his promise every single time. I was 13 years old. When I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I was on the south side of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was about to get into a gang because I thought it was the only way I was getting beat up every other day coming home from school. I thought it was the only way that I could have protection. But more than that, everybody in my life had let me down. My mom, my dad, everybody in my life had hurt me. And on my 13th birthday party, my best friend who I was going to be in that gang with, he tried to rape my sister. And now the people that I thought I could trust, I couldn't trust anymore. And I walked into the doors of my church. I actually was drugged by my grandparents. And on a Sunday night service, I sat in the back. And the whole time, I don't think I paid attention to anything that pastor said. But then he said this. He said, do you want to know a God that will never leave you or forsake you? And I said, I tried everybody else. I raised my hand. Close to 30 years later, can I tell you, he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He fulfills every promise in my life. It might not be in my timing, but his ways are better than mine. He knows better than I know. And so I want to encourage you today, listen, test him, which leads me to the fourth point, the final one. It says this, he commands us to test him. Man, I love this. This is the only place in the Bible where God says to test him. He actually says, don't test me anywhere else. He's very clear. But he says, test me in this. And here's the reason why, and I want you to see this. We serve a God who's not far off and distant. We serve a God who is close to us, who created us. The Bible says that he knitted us together in our mother's womb. He knows the, de- the very number of hairs on your head or on your face. Come on. <laughs> he does. And here's what I know, is that our God also knows that when it comes to finances, when he says, trust me, Test me in this with the first 10% of your, of, your, of your money. He knew that it was going to take a season of testing. Come on, somebody. He knew that it was going to take a season of going, God, I'm going to trust you, but I need to see that you're going to do it. That's what testing is. And I, I used to hate testing when I was a kid. But you know what I've realized as I've gotten older? Is that when you pass a test, you get, to be, you get something great. When you pass a test, a driver's test, you get to drive and you get to have freedom. When you pass a test in the kingdom of God, you get to be seen as more trustworthy. You know what the Bible says, that when you're trusted with little, God will give you much. He'll give you much. And much is not always money or cars or things. You know what's more importantly than th- more important than those things? It's our relationship with him. It's our closeness to him. It's our closeness with our spouse and our kids and health and protection. And so I, I, I want to just encourage you, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, I don't know if I can. 
I, I, I've tried. I've sat down on uh, when I've gotten my paycheck, and I know that it's right for me to put God first and, and to take the first 10% and to give it to him, but I've tried, and there's so much fear connected to it. You know why there's fear connected to it? It's because the devil knows how much blessing God has for you. And so I want to encourage you, when that, when that fear starts to well up inside of you, you know, the Bible says that we have a place of authority in the spiritual realm. And it wasn't given, to, or it wasn't, wasn't something that we bought. It was something that was given to us. You know how it was given and how it was paid for? By the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ on the cross. And so it's something that the devil cannot take from you. Now, he'll, he'll deceive you, because that's what he does, doesn't he? And he'll tell you, you know what, you can't stand in that place of authority. You don't deserve it. And you know what, he's right about that. I don't deserve it, but I was given it. And so I'm going to stand in that place of authority. And when that fear starts to come up, you can rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And you could take a step. That's what testing is. A season of testing is, is the Lord saying, listen, I'm giving you permission to take a step of faith. Trust me for a season. And see that I will do something incredible. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it, if you're here and you're like, Pastor Josh, you're from Florida, you're not even a part of our church, and you're telling me to give to this church. Right. This is not benefiting me at all. This is benefiting you more than it is the church. The Bible says that God will build his church. He is our provider. And so, yes, when people tithe, and when they give to the local storehouse, the church, it allows us to continue to have the church. But at the end of the day, if you don't do it, God's still going to grow his church. So this isn't about you giving to the church. This is about you trusting God and giving him lordship of your life. I think about the fact that there's a difference between tithe and offering. You know, tithe is, is an act of obedience. And when I give my tithe to my church, because I still do, and I have for years, I don't ask what they're doing with it. Now, I do think it's right for us to know what's happening in the church. But here's what the Bible says, that once I give it, I trust God with it. Now, an offering is different. An offering is something that the Lord has said, you know what? I'm calling you to give above and beyond. And I want you to give out of your heart. And I think it's really important that we see this. You see, the whole tithe, the Bible's very clear about that. It goes to the local storehouse. And here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that, well, out of the 10% I could give to, to a local charity or I could give to to somebody in need or I can give some of it and I can split it up. No, no, no. It's the whole tithe. That takes faith in God. Right? When I started to do that, everything changed. And it wasn't about a certain number amount. It was about my heart. I think about a doctor in our church. For his entire life, nobody preached this message to him. And he walked into the doors of our church and we were talking about money the first time he ever came to church. That's a rough time to come to church. If this is your first time, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> he walked up to our pastor and he said, I'm so mad that nobody ever told me about this. He's been given ever since in tithing and trusting God. And his life has changed. I, I think about my best friend who he did everything else. He literally served in the church hours upon hours. But there was this part of his heart that he could not release because of fear. And it was his tithe. And I'll never forget five years ago when he said, I'm just going to test him. I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to take a leap of faith. His life has been completely changed. This was a man who lived in his car six years ago. And now he has a doctorate in education. He's married to a pastor on our staff. And his life is completely changed. 
I believe it's because of the promises of God that were released when he trusted God and gave him lordship of his life. I think of another man in our church who's a business owner who was giving 9%. We sat in my office one day and I said, I said, brother, it's not about the amount. It's about your heart. There was something about that last percent that was, that was stopping him from trusting God completely. <laughs> it was like $10, people. His life completely changed when he started to give 100, uh, 10%. 10%, because when we trust God with the first 10%, he'll bless the rest. And so this whole time, some of you have been thinking that I've, I've just been talking about you giving the church money. But the truth is, I've been asking you this entire time to make a choice to trust God with your life, to trust God with your heart. And so I want to pray for us, and I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord in two ways. First, to make a commitment to test the Lord in this. If you never trusted God with your finance before, let today be the day. I I do. I want to challenge you to do that. I want to encourage you to do that because I believe that the blessing that you'll receive is way more than you'll ever give. And then I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord today. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the direction, the clarity, God. And so, Lord, right now, for some of us in this room, we make a conscious decision to test you. To test you, Lord. To put you first in our finances, Lord. The first 10%, God. Lord, to give you lordship of our entire life. Lord, we make that decision right now, that commitment to you. We'll take a step of faith. We'll, we'll share it with somebody that we trust, God, to hold us accountable. And God, we will. We will watch you do incredible things in our lives. And now if you're here today and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, and you want to say yes, and you want to make him not just the Savior, but the Lord of your life because his way, he just does a better job than we do. The Bible says that he came to this earth and lived a spotless, pure life. And then he died on the cross for our sins. And if we would confess our sins and ask for forgiveness of those and that we would believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again in three days, we ask him into our lives that we will spend eternity with him in heaven. If that's you, I want to ask you to lift your hand right now across this room. If that's you, amen. The Lord sees your heart. He sees that hand. If that's you, just repeat this prayer in your heart after me. Dear Lord, I believe that you love me so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you lived a pure and spotless life so that you could go to the cross and pay the price for my sins. I ask for forgiveness right now for the things that I've done wrong. Lord, I I just believe that you died that day for me, but you rose again in three days. And now, Lord, I ask you to be the Savior of my life, but also the Lord of my life from this point forward. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I pray a blessing over every person in this room. God, over these pastors in this church, God, And Lord, I pray that you would continue to have our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.